0: On today's episode of Health in the Hole, we welcome back Adair Flynn, certified nurse midwife and family nurse practitioner. We dive into her work with sexual health, contraception and STIs at Teton County Public Health. We talk about how early sex education should start, not middle school, but with toddlers even. We talk about which contraception is available free or low cost at the public health clinic for adolescents and adults, as well as STI testing, treatment and counseling. Want to get amazing insights and perspectives from local health and fitness professionals here in Jackson Hole? This is the podcast for you, and we're your hosts, Dr. Laura Wright and Dr. Parker Hughes. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Health in the Hole. I am back with Adair Flint. If you want to listen, we talked on episode 41 about evidence-based birth, and today we're talking about what she does in public health. So Adair, can you give us a little rundown of what you do?
1: Absolutely. So so excited to be back today. Um, So uh, we have lots of services at uh, Teton County Public Health. Um, I specifically work in the STI and Family Planning Clinic. Um, We give wellness exams to uh, women that are due for their pap smear, that possibly don't have insurance or are underinsured. (laughs) <laughs> underinsured, underinsured. And we give, um, we do STI uh, uh, treatment and screening for men, women, teenagers. Um, we give free birth control. We help with family planning. We teach sex education to teenagers and to anybody that we use to come in and discuss sex. Um, a whole comprehensive list of things that we give to the community for the underserved in the insurance world.
0: Awesome. Is there a sex education program in the schools here? There
1: is. Um, and actually we, um, it's in there trying to think. Which think we day, took it in eighth grade. They take. Yeah. It's a health class that they take in high school is the one okay. that I know. There probably is one in the middle school. Um, but we actually, me, and so it's me and Lane, um, Lash, who's a family nurse practitioner, and Kim that's a family nurse practitioner, and the three of us um, work the STI and family planning clinic. And um, we actually go over to the high school for two of the days to talk about contraception. But they do a pretty good comprehensive sex education program um, at the high school. Um, but any parent or any teenager can call and make an appointment with one of the nurses. Um, and do a whole visit that just talks about sex, consent, safe sex, um, and um, get any of their questions answered. And it's completely confidential. Um, you, If you aren't comfortable having your parents call, um, there's no way that they can know that you come. Um, there's federal law that protects um, teenagers uh, with HIPAA. To that they can get um, screened and treated for um, sexually transmitted infection without their parents knowing. But we obviously um, really encourage teenagers to talk to their parents about sex. One thing that we do know is that um, teenagers that have safer sex practices and wait longer, um, the study showed that they've got a very open relationship with their parents. There's lots of communication. There's lots of communication about sex. There's lots of sex positivity. and um, we know that they have better outcomes for teen pregnancy
0: and sexually transmitted infection and all sorts of stuff. It doesn't matter any age. You said teenagers, like women, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I women can menstruate at ten or twelve, and
1: right, absolutely. So sex education actually starts um, way earlier than that. It actually starts in the toddler in the toddler years when you really teach them scientific anatomy, body parts. That's very important, and that you know. Uh, a little girl understands that actually the external genitalia is a vulva and not a vagina because they really don't understand or um, are very aware of their vagina if that makes any sense until their older years when they're going to start menstruating um, there's not a lot that um, that a lot of sensation for the uh, in the vagina in the early years. so when they're washing them- themselves they're actually, Washing their vulva. Um, and so it's actually important for them to understand those pieces, and that, that a little boy understands um, a penis, uh, testicles, scrotum. And I know that that can sound really shocking or it can be uncomfortable for some people, even in our generation, because we were raised by a generation that possibly made people feel shameful about their body parts and the names of them and it was dirty. Mm -hmm. Um, But we know now that when children understand the scientific um, names and anatomies and proper nomenclature of their genitalia, um, they are um, lower risk and it is, they are um, uh, for having sexual predators because if they're able to, if they're confident in their body and they're able to actually name these parts, um, that's that's very hard to groom them. That is very hard for a predator because a predator can tell that this child is not afraid to speak about its body. Um, so actually in, in, in talking about consent, um, whenever you are tickling your child and they tell you to stop, even though it's playful and they and they, they might not mean it, but you do stop so that they understand when I tell somebody to stop with my body, they're, they're gonna stop. So um, sex education actually starts as early as that um, with parents. Um, I'm trying to think of the book. Um, Maybe when you post this, or after this, I'll email you the book um, that parents can use. Um, There's another really good book for toddlers called, It's Not the Stork, um, that discusses um, uh, about how babies are made in in an appropriate way that um, preschool age and early school age can understand. Um, So anyway, sex positivity and uh, comprehensive sex education starts in the toddler years. And then it moves forward through, you know, mainly talking about consent um, with bodies um, and then getting into middle school before a child or a um, preteen first menstruates, them understanding their menstrual. Then going on into high school where you are getting in a little bit more of um, the. drug use, sexual assault and um, and safe sex and the importance and how some of these some of these viruses, you can have for the rest of your life, they won't they won't kill you. Um, and we want to destigmatize things like herpes, for instance, but um, they are um,
0: they are something you have to deal with for the rest of your life. hmm. Any other tips for toddlers? This is something that I haven't heard. <laughs> yeah. crawl um, yet, But when she I, can, I know
1: it's, it's so funny because I have these debates all the time, even with my friends, um, that, uh, it can be a little, um, it can be, you know, it's really, it's really common for toddlers to in the bath or, um, for little kids to, um, to play, to play with their genitals because it feels good. And as a parent, sometimes you're like, I don't know what to do. Uh, do I turn around? Do I? Um, and I, I wish I had a better answer, answer for it than to kind of explore and sit with that discomfort and figure out what you want to say before it happens. Um, but just, you know, this fine line of not shaming, but also letting them know that, you know, that's something that you do in private. Um, and um, not making, trying not to make a big deal out of it because then that can really freak them out and make them think that there's something wrong with their genitals or they're dirty. And that's what we're trying to get away from. We're trying to break these cycles of being raised in a family where um, you really didn't feel comfortable talking about your body. You didn't feel comfortable with your body and you certainly didn't feel comfortable talking to your parents about sex. And that's just, it's so important. And it's, it's never not going to be an awkward, uh, awkward conversation probably when we're talking sex with our children, mm-hmm. but, um, we do know that the more knowledge that they have before they get put into situations, the more confident that they're going to be and make the decisions that are right for your family. Um, there was a, um, there was a speaker that came to, um, a few years ago to the library and did a, uh, did a speaking session for gap. Um, and, I, I loved what she said. She said that when your kid comes and asks you a question about something like, um, mom, uh, mom, what is um, what is porn? Porn is something that I make sure that I talk to all as, as a family nurse practitioner in my primary care practice at Women's Health and Family Care and at Teton County Public Health. I really, really start talking to kids. It actually, at the uh, fifth grade, sixth grade about porn because the research shows that by the time a boy is, I believe nine, year, it's, it's fifth grade, um, that they have already seen their first pornography on somebody's phone um, in like a bus or somewhere in the school setting. So um, so it's important that we are talking to our kids before they experience these, um, these situations. And so if, you, if, you're, if your child comes to you and says, what is porn, I, I saw, Um, I saw some naked people doing things on a phone today. You're supposed to, you're supposed to sit there and say, um, what do you think it is? And then you listen to what they say, and then you correct what they say. You put it into the correct perspective, and then you state your values after that of what your family values. And, you know, um, it can look something like, uh, um, well, what do you think porn is? Well, I think it's, I think it's when there's naked people and um, they're doing really gross things to each other and it makes me uncomfortable or, or whatever it is that they say. And you say, um, you say yeah, uh, pornography is something that's everywhere on the internet. That's why we put protective measures on the computer. Um, it's really important to understand that that is not what sex truly looks like. Um, That is not what women look like. It's depicting it in um, an inappropriate way. Um, There is a spectrum, you know, depending on how old they are, you can explain like the spectrum of porn where um, uh, some of it, uh, it just kind of depends on what you're looking at. can look um, artistic, just like beautiful naked women. And some of it can be extremely vile and uh, portray sexual assault. So it, it opens up conversations for you. And like I said, if you're, if you don't feel like you have the ability to have this language or you have the ability to um, to these skills to discuss this with your teenager, call public health. It is a completely free service for you where there are professionals that absolutely can have these conversations that are really, really important and um, is um, can determine the, um, the healthiness of your um, child's adult sexual behavior. You guys offer classes for parents as well? Mm-hmm yeah so um we um we don't offer we don't that's a really we've really talked a lot about that we don't offer classes right now but one thing that we do that i have to put a plug in for which is totally off the uh, sexual um education topic is um our maternal child health we have a state program now that when your um baby's born um, it, we, they will come over and do weekly visits and help you with breastfeeding and do classes for baby care. Um, and um, uh, and I, you might have, to, you may need to qualify um, being um, being underinsured, but I'm not totally sure about that. But um, it's a really incredible program that um, they can really help you figure out childcare and put you in touch with a lot of resources in town. Um, for if you have a baby and you feel a little underprepared, so we don't have, we have little kind of programs like that, but we don't have any specifically for parents in teaching, um, sex education, but that's a really good idea. And we should think about that.
0: Yeah, I think so. Um, (laughs) let's talk about the contraception that you offer. What kind of, what is available to teenage girls and older women? And
1: yeah, that is such, that's, this is one of the main, um, like I will be there today from 11 AM to 7 PM. And I will, m- m- most of my visits today will be um, about uh, doing um, consult- consultation to help women figure out what kind of birth control they want to use, and then also um, giving them the birth control and even do an IUD insertion. So um, we offer all the birth control options at public health for free to um, very um, sliding scale inexpensive. Um, so we have... Uh, most of the different types of birth control pills that um, include the estrogen combined oral contraception. So that means that it's a combination of estrogen and progesterone. And then we also have the progesterone only pills, which um, you would be, you would take if you have any of the high risk um, contraindications or any of the high risk clinical, um, clinical issues that you cannot take estrogen containing birth control, like High blood pressure, a history of blood clots, migraine headaches, um, any uh, personal history of breast cancer—these kind of um, these kind of history in your medical history—you actually should not be taking estrogen-containing birth control, which is your typical birth control pill. Um, so then there's a progesterone-only pill, and that is um, a good birth control to use if you have any of those clinical scenarios. Or if you're breastfeeding, um, when you're taking estrogen containing birth control pills, it can bring down your breast milk. So if you need to take a pill, progesterone only pill is the pill you're gonna take. And um, the big difference between progesterone only pill and estrogen is that the progesterone only pill actually really does need to be taken at the same time every single day for it to be effective. Um, we tell you that with all birth control pills and you always want to try and stay in your habit of taking your pill at the same time every day, but it's not as concerning with the estrogen containing birth control pills. So, um, we do, we, um, do a lot of, um, we do a lot of pill refills and giving out, um, birth control pills, but we also offer the vaginal ring like NuvaRing, um, that is also a systemic birth control. And what I mean by that is with the birth control pills, with the um, vaginal ring, with the the patches that also um, are estrogen containing that go transdermally on the skin. Um, Those are all systemic, which means that they're going into your bloodstream or being digested by the stomach, going through the liver and going all through your body systems to um, suppress and uh, prevent ovulation which is gonna prevent pregnancy. Um, And because of that there, we see some benefits in um, acne, um, in skin, um, but there are kind of some other side effects that um, uh, if people are sensitive to hormones in their system, they can experience maybe a little bit of um, mood all over the place. Um, and they can get um, hungrier. So those are systemic birth controls and the vaginal ring is also one of them and it also has estrogen in it. And, uh, um, and then we um, also have then the what we call the LARC. And the LARC is what we really, really have been focusing on a lot um, at public health. It's the long acting reversible contraception. And so what that is, is it's a device that's placed um, either in the uterus, which is not a systemic birth control um, or um, the Nexplanon is placed um, inside the arm, um, and that is a systemic birth control. And um, they work differently; their pharmacotherapy is different. But the main purpose of them is that you can have them in your body for three to seven to ten years and prevent pregnancy. Um, and um, and you're able to remove it at any point during that time if you want to conceive and get pregnant. Um, and they're really, really, really effective birth controls because you don't, there's no user error with it. Um, with birth control pills, you can forget to take pills. Um, with vaginal ring, you can leave it in too long and forget to bring, uh, take it out. Um, and with the patch, um, there's all sorts of, I, I actually don't really love the patch. Um, and we, act, I don't, we actually don't carry the patch at public health anymore. Um, and then there's also the Depo shot, which is a three month shot and it's um, a progesterone based um, birth control. So we have all the birth controls um, and for teenagers, it is completely free no matter what, whether you have insurance or not, it's completely confidential. Um, and for, um, for adults, it is um, a lot of times free, especially for people that are uninsured and underinsured um, and, um, or it's a sliding scale that makes it extremely affordable for that person. Um, And that includes our IUDs and expedons, which are very expensive devices, but we have a grant and we get them for free and um, we just ask for a $50 donation for the insertion of the device. Um, And if you can't pay that, we have a grant that pays for that, too. So um, it's um, we are so fortunate in Teton County that we have the benefactors um, that do old, old bills and we have the grants that we do that we're able to afford Um, our clients in this community, free birth control and free access to health information
0: and birth control and sexually transmitted infection services too. Are all of those options available for teenage girls? They can get an IUD and yes. I,
1: you know, we really do a lot of um, counseling on the IUD with teenage girls. Um, It's a pretty, it can be a pretty intense procedure. Mm -hmm. And if you're a 15 year old, um, it's definitely a conversation that we have to have on if you're a good candidate for it. Um, there it's, it's pretty rare to put an IUD in somebody that young just because it can be a little traumatizing, especially if they're not letting their parents know about it. There's just so many, so many aspects that we look at, um, with an IUD, um, because it is such an intense, um, vaginal speculum exam. Um, but for, uh, young teenage girls, even yes, there are, um, we do a lot of assessment to make sure they're safe and that they're in a consensual relationship. There's no abuse going on. There's no human trafficking going on. Um, and, um, and then we, um, we figure out what kind of birth control is best for them with their situation. But yes, this is available to all, um, all teenage teenage girls and, and teenage boys to, to, to come in and discuss sex and talk about condoms and, practicing putting condoms on and, and, um, and learning things like that. Um, it's free to everybody, uh,
0: all teenagers. Let's talk some about STI counseling. Cause I'm assuming you do that with all of this. Um, yes. How do you do it? And then how common are STIs?
1: Yeah, so um, STIs are very common. Um, uh, gonorrhea and chlamydia specifically here in Teton County and the surrounding areas um, is, is very prevalent. Um, Gonorrhea and chlamydia are two bacterial sexually transmitted infections, they're the most common bacterial sexually transmitted infections. Um, and what's really scary about them is that they, um, they, they a lot of times are completely asymptomatic, meaning they have no symptoms. Um, and so we really recommend everybody that's not in a monogamous relationship that's been Um, that hasn't, or if even if you're in a monogamous relationship, if you haven't been tested yet in that monogamous relationship, you should, but anybody that's not in a monogamous relationship, we recommend it getting tested every year because you might not find it until years later when you're trying to get pregnant and all of a sudden you're having infertility issues because that is where, um, gonorrhea and chlamydia, um, go to when they're not, when they're untreated is they cause infertility later in life. Um, so um, we recommend it every year. And when um, with bacterial infections, there are antibiotics. So it's very, very, very easy to treat. And we also offer partner, um, partner treatment as well. So if somebody comes in and they test positive, um, we will also give the antibiotics to their partner um, if they come in. And um, the antibiotics are completely, for teenagers, once again, they're completely free, the treatment. Um, And for adults, it can be free and is a sliding scale as well. Um, So um, those are, that's probably two of the most, those are two of the most common that we see. Um, Herpes is very um, common internationally. It's very, um, it's very easy to transmit and it's a virus. And so there's no cure for it, but we do have treatment with episodes of outbreaks. Um, And we also carry that at um, Teton County Public Health. What's hard about herpes is, is that you have to actually be having an outbreak to get really truly diagnosed. There is a blood work that you can do with antibodies that we will also give you a script uh, or an order to go to the hospital if you'd like that. But it really is, it's, it's not, the blood test is not a great test. There's a lot of false positives. There's a lot of false negatives. There's ways that we don't, there's kind of, we don't know how to interpret some results. So, Um, really the best way to know is if you're actually having an outbreak and, um, you can culture the outbreak and find out for sure what strand it is. Um, and like I said, there's treatment options available when you have an, when you have an outbreak, but there's no long-term cure as of yet. Hopefully one is coming soon. Um, and then we also, um, provide rapid HIV testing. It takes about 15 minutes. It's a finger prick. Um, that's an amazing resource. Um, and, um, we also provide prep counseling and what prep is, is a prophylaxis medication for HIV. And it's, um, it is, um, FDA has approved it for, um, needle drug users and, or anybody that's negative for HIV it's approved for, um, them if they're, um, uh, uh, Drug, um, needle drug users, or if they um, are, um, have high risk sexual behavior, um, especially um, men that have sex with men. So, um, that's a really great service that we're um, providing now is prep counseling and giving prep. Um, and um, that also, we have a grant to um, help people with that medication as well. Um, and if you take it every day consistently, it's 99% effective at preventing HIV, um, which wow. is just absolutely amazing and mm-hmm. astounding. Um, so, um, and then we also provide syphilis, hep C and, um, yeah, syphilis and hep C testing. Um, and that's blood work. Um, and once again, it's all, um, very affordable.
0: Awesome. Thank you. Anything else you want to add? I know you've got to get to work today. (laughs) Um and then where people might yeah. like you otherwise. And yeah,
1: absolutely. It. I mean, um, I will, uh, you know what, I will send you those recommendations for the books for um, sex education along the spectrum of um, being a parent That'd be awesome. <laughs> so that you can share those with people because mm-hmm. um, it is really important. And uh, we love talking about safe sex and consent at public
0: health. And then public health, how do they find public health?
1: So public health is, um, if you go down Pearl street, uh, past town where Jackson lumber is it, it, Pearl street dead ends into public health. Um, and the phone number that you call, um, and you, um, use the prompt for, um, the family planning clinic is, um, 733-6401.
0: And do you need an appointment or can you just walk in?
1: So we, um, we usually it, in the evening clinic, we. We try to say it's a walk-in clinic, but it's gotten so busy that you really need an appointment. You can walk in at any time. And if you're willing to wait a little bit, there's usually a nurse that is available to do STI testing and counseling. But for you to see um, one of the um, nurse practitioners, you need to have an appointment. And we see people that have any sort of STI symptoms that need to do um, uh, birth control counseling and for us to help figure out what kind of birth control they want. And then obviously inserting any of the devices um, we see too. Um, So, um, so if you need, if you have something that you really need to speak to a um, nurse practitioner, you need to make an appointment, but you can do walk-in
0: STI testing at any time with one of the nurses. Awesome. Beautiful. Thank you so much for this information. I think this is super important to get out. Thanks so much for having me today. You're welcome. We'll see you again sometime. Please. Anytime. Thanks for listening to Health in the Whole. If you liked it, please subscribe so you can hear more episodes. And remember, this podcast is not medical advice. Consult your health provider before doing anything drastic.